Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we will discuss the concept of intimacy with God. This episode is in some ways the catalyst to understanding the previous 10 episodes more clearly, as well as the remaining nine. God in his infinite love and power created us for relationship and ultimately relationship with him. Psalms 95, 3-7 says this, For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. This is the heart of our God. Listening to and having a deep relationship with God is at the center of why we exist, And hopefully through today's podcast, we can dive into how we grow in intimacy with God and why it is so important. With that said, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and here we go. Joining me today is Ben Brezina. Hey, Ross. Hey, and Bo Brezina. Hi, Ross. And first time on here is Greg Cleland. How are you? I'm great. Great to be here. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. So as I said in the introduction, uh, just how important this episode is to understanding everything else that we talk about. Why would you guys agree with that or why not? Why is this understanding of intimacy with God so important? Bo, can I start with you? Sure. Well, I mean, if you go back and look at our design when we were talking about that in one of our earlier episodes, uh, design points to purpose and we are designed to be containers and expressors of the very life of God. Mm. Containing is intimate, (laughs) expressing is an overflow of that intimacy. So I don't, I mean, you know, you look at your purpose and it, it just makes complete and utter sense that we were designed for this intimate, being intimately known and filled and loved so that we have this abundance, which we do, to pour it out. So yeah. this is the core. Yeah. And understanding that design is, it got us started on this journey. Yeah. yeah. I think about that story with Mary and Martha and Jesus is in their house and he's, he's talking and Mary's just sitting at her feet, at his feet, listening to him. And Martha's going around trying to provide a good dinner and take care of his, his physical needs. And, and Martha gets so worked up. And I remember Jesus just said, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but there's really only one thing necessary. Mm. And Mary has chosen that good part, and it's not going to be taken from her. And so mm. that is the good part of, of our Christian life is that fellowship with him, hearing his voice and talking with him. That's the, the necessary part that Jesus was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I like that the picture that's painted there of just Mary and Martha. I like how you bring that out because a lot of times we think intimacy with God is something that we strive for or work for. And, you know, obviously there's there's something, there's a part that we play, but I just love that picture that it, there's at the core of anything that we do, it's understanding who God is and his love for us and that growing of that intimacy. Well, I don't have much to add to what has already been said. I mean, I think they've all hit the points dead on. Yeah. I mean, for me... I mean, it's pursuing truth, hmm. and uh, pursuing truth just, for me, led to a radical encounter with God and hmm. learning to surrender to His grace and His sufficiency and His supply and His love for me, and it just, just really set me free, and uh, just that's how I internalize it on a personal level. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and this is why I think the Living in Jesus study is just beautiful, is because the Scriptures 
lay out our design, which we've talked about, spirit, soul, body, how Christ made that great exchange that we've already talked about, that he put his indwelling life, the yeah. living word, truth itself, in our innermost beings. Yeah. And now this journey of intimacy is, is unpacking or discovering or experiencing his living, his presence, his life in us. Mm. It's just mind-blowing that the God of the universe living within us has made us righteous and holy, all the mm. things that we talked about in identity. And it just makes perfect sense when you understand your design, you're like, oh yeah, I was designed for intimacy. Mm. And when you realize that he's made you clean and he's put himself inside of us and therefore we're, we're connected to him, it's an overflow of joy of this intimate connection and dependence, which is what we mentioned actually in the, in this uh, chapter in the living in Jesus, yeah. we talked about trust and dependence. Yeah. And uh, it just really makes sense when you understand the design and what Christ accomplished mm. that everything he's provided everything for this really de- deep, rich intimacy with him. You know, it reminds me of that quote by Augustine when he discovered that he said, our hearts are restless and you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Mm. And that, I think, is a journey that we all have to come to in our walk. That It's about the resting in the presence of God mm. and enjoying his presence and uh, finding our peace and our joy and our satisfaction in that relationship with him. Well, I, I'd like what you uh, emphasize, the, the idea of being dependent. Uh, you know, we come into being not living according to our design, and, and we live a life of self-dependency. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find ourselves finding peace and security and the sense of well-being from things that we identify experientially, circumstantially. But what we've come to understand and all those things that we identify with experientially and circumstantially are just fleeting, momentary, and temporal. Mm. So it's a failed approach to living on two levels. The first level is that what we identify with in the natural and the experiential and the central realm is just momentary, fleeting, Hmm. And the approach to living is unsustainable because it's dependent upon our abilities and our strength and our own efforts to secure that momentary sense of peace, which is unsustainable to begin with. And yeah. it just uh, it just it just collapses. Yeah. But praise God that the truth is there, waiting for us to <laughs> embrace Him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's Jesus's words: "Take my yoke upon you yes. and learn from me." Right? The, the, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is a invitation into rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we kind of have to establish what the word intimate means because, you know, obviously how do we get to have an intimate relationship with God of the universe? Can't touch him, can't see him, you know, like most people have never audibly heard God. So it's just that idea of how do we actually get to that point where, okay, so let's say I'm either wrestling with, do I believe in God? Or let's say I have said, okay, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe what he's done. Now what? How do I get to deepen that relationship and grow that intimate relationship with God? How does that actually happen? Well, I think we have to start, which is what the study started with, our very first episode on the concept of God. Yeah. If we have an incorrect concept of God, then we're going to have problems. And this reminds me of you know, all the influences of my early years picking up incorrect, incorrect mm-hmm. understandings of God, yeah. but they got mixed. And somewhere along the line, I kind of picked up this idea that God was good, and he's powerful, but he's also busy, and he's got a lot <laughs> on his mind, and he doesn't, 
you know, uh, he's looking for perfection and, you know, so I better get my P's and Q's together if I'm mm. going to get his attention. And then maybe even then you don't get a whole lot of attention, Yeah, you know, and that's obviously a very faulty <laughs> concept of God, okay. but it doesn't promote a close interpersonal connection, which is part of what intimacy is. Mm. Another facet of intimacy, when I think of it as a transparency of being fully known and seen mm. and which brings about an embrace that promotes opportunity for vulnerability where mm-hmm. I can listen to his spirit, correct me without shame and condemnation. And I can rejoice in his love that has perfected his work in me through the cross. And so those, if I don't have an accurate understanding of who God is, mm-hmm. then however, I ever want to be transparent with him, yeah. you know, or vulnerable with him, which are various components of intimacy. Yeah. Great. You know, I, I think about the story in Acts where they're, trying to make a decision about who's going to replace Judas. And they pray, God, they say, God, you know the hearts of all men. And so that intimacy, God knows each of his creations intimately. He knows everything about us. He knows what we think about, what we spend our time doing. I mean, he knows every detail of our life, but we are born not knowing him, Mm. you know. And so part of this journey for us, how do we get close to God? Well, he's come close to us in Christ, but getting to know him is a process of just like any other process that, you know, we go through in a relationship. We have to spend time with that person. And in the concept of God, the boat talks is that makes you want to spend time. If you understand who God is, that he's love, and you really believe that, then you'll want to spend time with him. And then as you spend time in prayer, and I think prayer is the heartbeat of, of every Christian. That intimacy is prayer, which is just conversation hmm. with God is speaking and and listening to God and you see that example over and over again in the the first Christians in the book of Acts you see them praying 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 about everything they're getting killed they're praying they're they're making a decision they're praying they're getting ready to go on a trip they're praying they're saying goodbye to people they pray together it's hmm. almost like breathing and I think that's that's how we grow in that intimacy with God is hmm. talking to him about everything yeah well, you know, it's uh, for me, it was recognizing the need that I to know God. I recognize the need that I need to know Him mm. and depend upon Him. And uh, what I found in my life that God is as providential. You know, the Scripture says that uh, the mind of man plans, but God orders His steps. And uh, what I recognize is, as when I recognize my need to know Him and depend upon Him, He began to order my steps. And in some ways, it came by closing doors, closing doors that I wanted to be open, but that door was not available. But there was another door. You just walk through that door, and there's a person there waiting for you who maybe has a little more maturity in the things of the Lord, and he mentors you, and he guides you, and then you find yourself just walking, going through open doors and through uh, relationships with with people who uh, maybe have a deeper understanding of the concept of God and and uh, not just from an academic standpoint or a theological standpoint, but they're actually living, breathing yeah. testaments to the reality of who God is uh, to them, living his life through them, and you begin to really understand that, this, that what is true is true, yeah. and you can depend upon it, you can lean on it, you can trust it. 
and uh, it's quite liberating. So yeah. I'm very yeah, grateful you, for the people. You bring up a great, great point, Greg. There's a variety of ways that God speaks to us, and I yeah. think that's one one thing we really try to emphasize in this session is all the different ways that God speaks to us, and He definitely speaks us through His people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, in my journey of intimacy with God is, you know, we've talked about Him working through people. We talked about prayer he speaks to us through, through the word, the written word, and through the Holy Spirit. We cover that in the session yeah. about how he speaks through the spirit. He whispers. And um, what I have found to, to be true is as I understand the written revelation of God, it helps me under identify the spoken word in my spirit mm. because whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to me, oftentimes it is through Bible verses that he brings to mind, or or even if I a brother and sister in Christ is speaking to me, and I know it's from God because it aligns with the the written word, and that's where that concept of God comes into play. I have to have a true understanding of is this something that's consistent with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, mm. gentleness. Yeah, that's good. And so, learning to hear that uh, that that the spoken word, the the promptings of the Spirit that line up with how he's revealed himself in his word has been a big part of my journey. I've listened to you guys talk about this, you know, the way, what comes out to me is this idea of trust. You know, as we think about the concept of God and we are living our lives and day to day, trying to grow in this intimacy with who God is and deepen this relationship, it has to start from a place of trust. Um, Without that, um, no relationship can survive, right? No Mm -hmm. relationship can have any kind of intimacy or deepness to without that trust. So how is it, is it any different uh, I asked the question of, okay, how do you deepen your relationship with God? How do you deepen your trust in God? How does that, is that a different answer or the same one? Well, for me, when you said uh, trust, I absolutely agree with you. But I first had to trust that what Christ said about me, he actually did do to me. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I don't think I was, I didn't think I was clean. I thought I was mm-hmm. a sinner and I was, I needed to work harder to improve. So I wasn't trusting God that what he said he had done, Mm -hmm. he had done. You think of a little child, if they don't believe you're doing something well, they want to take over and do it themselves, right? Whether it's washing hands or some simple task. And essentially, I wasn't trusting that. And and how can you separate that idea from belief? I have to believe Mm -hmm. that he did crucify me with Christ, Mm -hmm. that he did bury me with Christ, Mm -hmm. that he did make me close. So for me, in the area of trust, one of the big areas was I grew up under this model that there's something I have to do to get closer to God. Mm. And then he revealed to me John 14, 20. And that day you'll know that basically Jesus is in the Father and Jesus is in us and we're in Jesus. And therefore, it dawned on me through the revelation of of the scriptures, I can't get any closer. Mm. Yeah. Well, I had not trusted that. Mm-hmm. I was working under the model of I got to do something. I got to read more scripture. I got to pray more. Mm-hmm. But once I started embracing, or we could use, I think we could use the word belief, believing that I was in him and he was in me and that 
there's nothing I can do to get closer to him, then I started to grow. Mm, And I started to experience my closeness. And I think that's what a lot of people are talking about when they talk about getting closer to God. They're longing for experiencing him in close ways on a more mature and continuous. And I understand exactly. And so that's what happened. It was a Mm. growth process of experiencing my closeness, if that makes sense. Sure. So it started from a place where you already were, which is God's already put you in him and and he's in you. It's just understanding and believing that that is true. Exactly. And I think that's the trust part. I'm growing and trusting that what Christ said he did, he actually did. And what he says about me, he actually means Mm. that I am righteous, that I am loved, that I am valued, that I am close to him. And then when I believe that, I start to experience it more and more in my everyday life. And and that, to me, is what it means to grow in closeness. It's experiencing what I already have, but experiencing it in much richer and vivid deeper ways and when i think about trust you know i think about faith and how do you trust somebody you can't see yeah i mean that's a difficult proposition for the natural world i mean we we like to see things and (laughs) and i want to make sure that this chair will hold me up before i i sit in it but with god it's different but he is a person and he does interact with his creation and so how do you trust a person? How do I trust a person? Well, you can, you know, when you're first introduced to a person, if it's by somebody that you trust, and then they say good stories about them, then that provides some level of trust up front. You accept that what that another person has said. Mm. You know, and there's lots of stories, testimonies in the Bible of people throughout history that they have put their trust in God and shown what God's done for them and, and done in and through them. And so we can get those stories, you know, that can start to engender some trust. But ultimately, we have to make that decision about Christ, who he is, and, and what we believe. Like Bo was saying, do we really believe that? And how does that happen? It happens by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so at the point of hearing that truth about, you know, what God's done for us in Christ and who we are now, all those things and who he is, the Bible says he is, that has to become our acceptance. We have to embrace that and not define God by our circumstances. And mm. this this is uh, the big temptation. We run into a hard problem, and we have a, a temptation to define God by the way that our circumstances have turned out wrongly. And it's not something new. It goes all the way back to the oldest book in the Bible, or mm. what is thought is the oldest is Job. And, uh, you know, you have that story right there, the questioning of God. So, so that's an age-old tactic there to try to get us to question God's. But for me personally, it came down to, is Jesus who he said he was? Did he come and die? Did he, did he rise again? And if so, what does that say about God? And that has mm-hmm. become what, how I define. And that's become the basis of my, the foundation of my trust. Mm-hmm. When circumstances go poorly for me or difficult, that's what I go back to. And I mm-hmm. say, no, this is the truth. He came, he died for me, and he loves me that much. You know, I don't know what's going on here, how it's all going to work out. But that's the growing of faith. As I hmm. place my confidence in him, then I start building stories of how he's been faithful to me. And that yeah. helps build that trust, which causes me to open up more and, and build that, deepen that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I in the area of parenting, I've experienced this. <laughs> you know, there's a, a story I like to refer to uh, that kind of uh, accentuates the fact that 
of the need to trust and depend upon God, particularly in the area of parenting. I have a young uh, son who was just got his driver's license. He was 16 years old, and we, he and I were taking his mother's car up to Virginia to visit my aunt and uncle who live in the Appalachian Mountains. And he just got his license, and I'm like, Rob, why don't you drive? I'll be the passenger, <laughs> you be the driver. Well, he just got his license, and he did not have a lot of experience driving on highways hmm. and understanding spatial relationships, particularly in traffic. Yeah. And he kept on running into the car, not running into the car, but getting very close, and I would uh, reprimand him, Rob, you got to back off, and you don't know what's going on in front of the car uh, that's ahead of us. And he said, yes, Dad, yes, Dad, yes, Dad. He did it a second time, like, Rob, please listen to me. Mm. I got you, Dad, I got you. And the third time, he rammed right into that car. Mm. He rammed right into that car, and the first thing that came to my mind is, what is your problem, Robbie? Mm. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, Greg, this is a seminal moment. In your, in your child's development. Trust me in this. This is going to work together for good. Mm. Immediately, as we uh, pulled off onto the shoulder, I said, Robbie, don't worry about this. Mm. It's okay. Your dad has been in a lot worse accidents. I've been in DUI-related accidents, mm. son. Mm. You're fine. <laughs> anyway, we pulled off to the side of the road, and, and uh, oh, the, our car was total the front it was functional but it was uh there was more damage to the car than the car was worth mm, yeah. and fortunately for the car that we hit there was just nominal damage in fact the people we hit were the nicest kindest people you'd ever <laughs> want to be in an accident with to be honest with you so we processed the accident and uh we go back to the um to the car and uh the guy says, you know what, I bet you that, the, the, the guy that we hit says, you know what, I bet you your car will drive. And I said, do you think so? And I said to Robbie, why don't we give it a shot? We'll drive this car to Virginia. And, of course, he's like, I guess you want to drive, Dad. And I said, heck no, son, you're fine, you're good to go. You know, he got back in that car, and, of course, my flesh wanted to Nuke them, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. But the Lord was saying, let, let me have this, Greg. Yeah. Let me have this. And it just instilled confidence in him in the fact that I didn't attach his identity and worth to this event. Mm. And uh, it was a, a seminal moment in his life. And he realizes that, that he's, he's okay just the way he is. And the Lord has taught me not to attach our identity and our value to what we do or what we don't do, mm. you know, and, yeah. and, and allowing this event to play a big role in his development. Well, no, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, it, make, it sounds to me like, you know, from this event, obviously it, you trusted what God was saying in that moment to, to not get all over Robbie and just to trust him in that moment to help yes. develop, help his development. But what stood out to me is that you, you said God spoke to your heart, right? And what part of that intimacy is that communication that you have or that any of us can have with the Lord, that communication is so important. Because obviously, like Ben said, you know, it's hard to, have an intimate relationship with someone you can't see. And yet with God, there is that communication part, which is so vital. So how is it that, you know, as Greg, you say, well, I heard God speak to my heart. Well, how do we actually listen to God? Since that's such a pivotal part of an intimate relationship, how do, how do you guys listen to God and how do we get better at doing that? Well, you know, when you ask that question, it brings a story in my mind uh, about my growth with Christ. Um, I'd, 
as I previously mentioned, worked under that model of like, I got to do more, read more, mm. memorize more, pray more in order to grow. And the idea was grow. And so I get a hold of my behavior so that my behavior wouldn't be not sinning as much. And I remember there was this time where the spirit it, it said, Bo, you don't have to worry about your growth. Hmm. Now, to be honest, that sounds a little bit heretical based on where I was at <laughs> sure. in my journey. But then uh, he backs up that thought with Philippians too, that it's God who is at work in you, hmm. both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, he was inviting me, he was speaking to my heart with a scripturally based idea. Mm. Sure, there are things that I need to do, right? Mm. Because the verse immediately preceding that one is work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The idea was, is, Bo, I'm giving you a thought here to trust me and there's scripture to back this up. Mm. (laughs) Does that make sense? That's how I knew it was from him. Mm. He was inviting me to work out my salvation by trusting that he was working in me. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) If that makes sense. And so that's why I knew it was from him because the scripture verified the thought. And so, for instance, on that same journey of growth, you know, back in those days, if I didn't have my quiet time was my words for this time of study and Bible prayer, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, a lot of people use that in the Christian world. Then I would feel like just a tad bit, something was off, a little bit off, you know, Mm -hmm. And it was this idea that I was measuring myself based on my effort instead of his effort. And so he brings reminders of me, like Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for you, Bo, if you don't have your quiet time. Now, I do definitely promote the idea of quiet times, but not so that you feel better about your day or or you've done what you should do, but because the Spirit has wooed you and invited you into it and you're responding to Him. So if I'm getting condemnation, and and He oftentimes will bring a Bible verse like Romans 8, 1, like, Bo, there's no condemnation for you. Mm. And then I know that thought is coming from Him. It lines up with the Scriptures. And this is why, honestly, why I think sessions 1 through 10 are so important. If we yeah. don't know what He has done we won't correctly interpret the scriptures, and then we'll get all confused about, is this from God or is this not from God? Yeah, yeah, great. And, you know, at a very foundational level, I, th- I think one of the biggest ways that God speaks to us is in our thoughts, you know, and, yeah. and where do thoughts come from? That's an interesting question. You know, scientists have been trying to discover that, but scripture teaches that God can put thoughts in, into our mind, and, and also there's other spirits that can interact with us uh, in our mind. So then you have to start discerning the, the thoughts. Yeah, you know? exactly. how, do, how do you discern the thoughts? It's, you have to know what God's voice sound like. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, mm-hmm. and I know them, and they follow me. You know, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. You mm-hmm. know? And so it's, it's learning his particular qualities, and it, and it has to do with what Bo said. It, no, it, it's going to always go along with other stuff that he's already said in Scripture, mm. you know, and that's a great way to get more familiar with whether or not, you know, you're hearing God's voice is to read the read the Word. And a lot of times he brings Bible verses to mind at the time that I need them. Yeah. There's another thing, too, for me, when you talk about speak to the heart, that, that's almost like a, there's some pressure, I think. I get some pressure uh, inside, if it's to do something, there's some pressure in there. Like, I know that this is what I need to do. Mm. Or if it's not pressure, then it's a sense of peace about uh, when I have this thought, there's a peace that goes with it. Mm. So there's other things I think that it can affect our spirit. And so I think when, when we talk about 
hearing with our heart, you know, that's not just a thought. It's actually, it's, it's having some impact on us. Like I know this is, yeah. I don't know if is that, is that what you felt with your son in the car that day? There was just a, there was just a piece about it. And uh, the mm-hmm. Lord just said, let me have this, yeah. let me have this. This is going to be a very special moment in your son's life. And I just, I, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just a, a knowing. Yeah. And it just, it put me at ease. That's great. Ben, when you were talking about pressure, it it reminded me of Jesus. Jesus was moved with compassion. And as I understand it, it was like a deep inward of the bowels, Mm. so to speak. Uh, Yeah, uh, inner inner, uh, gut level is probably how we would say it. And obviously what Jesus was moved to do was the spirit moving the father, leading him. So whatever we have a deep level, like your movement is going to be consistent with the fruit of the spirit. Yes. Is this loving? Is this kind? Is this gentle? Is it patient and good and all those faithful and controlled, uh, self-controlled? And so I think that when you were talking about that deep pressure, that's kind of what Jesus was experienced when he was moved with compassion. I've wrestled this for a long time. I'm a pretty emotional guy, and I've li- I li- used to live my life very emotionally based. I made a lot of decisions off that. And listening to God, basing your emotions and listening to God and trying to navigate your thoughts and your emotions is a difficult thing to do, right? And so it was always very confusing to me. Okay, well, how do, how do I know God's talking to me? And obviously there's scriptures, but then sometimes it's not super clear, and you're not, you know. And it's really what you just said, Bo. To me, one of the clearest ways that God has really... Um, deep in our relationship, but just enable to hear from God and know that I'm hearing from God is just that it's it comes with a peace. It comes with a knowing that it is that you are loved and cared for, and it's you know it can be really about anything, but it's because I can know the antithesis of that, the opposite of that. I've had so many moments where what sounded like a good thought was really from the enemy you know, trying to get me to use my flesh or do something like that or or act out of my emotions because he knew that that would work with me, right? And so it was just one of those things where even though I might have felt something, if it wasn't peace and it wasn't, um, it didn't bring just a sense of calm to me, it was like, this is not coming from the Lord because he does not work. He does not pressure in a negative way. He doesn't pressure us. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't, you know, all those different negative emotions. And to me, the beauty of emotions and thoughts together is actually our emotions can lead us to really discerning our thoughts in a lot of ways because, well, how does that thought make you feel? Mm-hmm. If there's a negative, really negative uh, emotion attached to that, then we can know that it's not coming from the Lord because the Lord does not work that way. Yeah. An experience with my emotions happened not too long ago, uh, very recently actually. I was 
in some hard circumstances. I was really second guessing some of my decisions. Mm. I was worried about how those decisions would affect others. I was, it was a constant kind of thing. And I just sensed the spirits, not audibly, like you were sure. saying, but just in my, he said, Bo, I'm delighting in walking through this spirits with you. Hmm. And that was so out of the uh, line of thinking that I was going down because yeah. I was feeling stressed. And and then you take that and you bounce that. And, and of course, that brought great peace mm. when I bounce it against Scripture, when he talks about my she- being the shepherd that guides, being the one who speaks, the one that yeah. never leaves me nor forsakes me, the one who takes pleasure in working in me for his namesake. Mm. And so all of those things lined up with the peace that you're talking about when he was essentially speaking to me and bringing so that I would experience his peace in that moment. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, how many scriptures are there where it says, mm. but I am with you, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's almost exact same, same type of phrase. It's just, again, scripture and the peace that comes with it. You know, faith is, is an attitude. I think it's a attitude of open yourself. So one of the attitudes that if you want to hear from God more and I want to hear from God more, we need to ask him. God, I'm listening. And then when he leads us, we follow, mm-hmm. you know, and not debate with him, you know. And so yeah. those two attitudes, I think the more we practice that, those attitudes of you know, waking up in the morning, hey, good morning, God, and having a conversation with him and saying, what do you have going today, mm. you know, for my day? Yeah. And and being willing to, for him to interject something and saying, that's a great plan, you know, and just Pursuing that, I think that will open the door to us recognizing his voice and growing more in relationship with him. And then, you know, that obedience is the follow through, you know, that and that comes from a trust, too. You are not going to follow somebody that you don't trust Mm -hmm. because it may lead you into a problem area. (laughs) You know, they may have some devious plans for you, but the more we trust, the more we'll follow and the more we'll listen and we'll pursue listening, I think. I think there's a follow-up question that's popping in my mind is, well, you know, if we know that God's talking to us because it's, you know, with peace and love, but yet what he's asking us maybe to do or our reaction to it is fear, right? So it is from God, but our human reaction then, our fleshy reaction is fear. How do we navigate that? Because obviously I could have a fear reaction and Satan's tactic is to make me afraid. How do we discern then God's asking me to do something, but I'm afraid to do it? How do we wrestle with that? Well, that's where the emotions are so key, and this intimacy thing comes into play. So when God asks me to do something and I have fear, it's future-oriented. What would happen if I did that, mm-hmm. and how would that impact me? Mm-hmm. An example is I'm, I'm tempted to parent, and speaking of parent, sometimes mm-hmm. out of fear. you yeah, know. Uh, sure. And God leads me to speak a truth to, to my child, and then uh, and I do it, but what if it doesn't? change anything. And I have fear about that. Mm-hmm. And and that's where the intimacy th- part that Ben was talking about, where it's, I can start a conversation with him mm-hmm. and I can say, God, I'm afraid yeah. that what you told me to do is actually not going to work, <laughs> you know, or yeah. it won't bring a change or it, my child won't adopt that and, and his life won't be as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. And then what it does is it opens this, uh, I'm basically saying I'm receptive, God, I'm trusting you're going to show me. I don't know what it is, and then usually it's something like this. Well, Bo, you're trying to get your security or your respect out of how your son is going to turn out. Mm. And then I get another level of intimacy, an invitation from me. He's like, he's saying, Bo, I'm inviting you to put your trust in me for your security, mm. not your son. Yeah. But if I never go down that path of fear, 
I don't get to experience intimacy with him in that area. He's mm. still in me. I'm still close to him. So it's, it's almost like the fear is an invitation to mm. conversation. Yeah. And he's saying, Bo, my child, let's talk about it. Mm. I know what's going on. You don't. Uh, okay, Dad, so I, I want to know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no. but it, it does. Uh, the, the knowing is one aspect, and the building that relationship is one aspect of of overcoming that for sure. Uh, uh, the other aspect is, you know, we just need the Holy Spirit's power and, and life, you know, we're weak and we, we are frail and mm. we don't have what it takes sometimes, but God always has the power. And I just think about how many times in acts do the uh, disciples and Paul, do they pray for boldness? Mm. You know, I mean, why are, why wouldn't you be bold because of fear? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're taking your life in your hand, people stone you, beat you, whatever it is. I mean, they were facing physical harm and suffering how could they be bold it, they knew that they needed the spirit mm. and and at pentecost they received the spirit and they boldly proclaimed yeah you know even despite that and i think that's the same with us we need that empowering we need that relationship and the empowering comes through relationship and it helps to change our thinking you know and that can affect our fearful emotions but at the end of the day the holy spirit too his power helps us overcome we have to take the step out trusting that God will be enough and give us the give us the peace and as we go. Yeah. All right, so let's change gears a little bit here because we've talked about maybe some of the mechanics or how we can theologically deepen a relationship with God or even just some experiences. But how have you guys each individually um, seen your relationship with God deepen? How, what have you experienced? What has it been like for you? Greg, I'll start with you. Well, I've come to deep. My relationship with God has been deepened through a lot of adversity. And, uh, you know, God does, does calls all things together to work for good. Mm. And, you know, when I put my confidence and hope in something that will never, ever satisfy, it's not a matter of if, mm. it's a matter of when it's going to fail me. Yeah. And uh, it's usually in that, uh, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, but oftentimes in it's, it's the, in the depths of the utter bankruptcy of trying to find my hope, my peace mm. in something other than the Lord, which puts me in a state of bankruptcy in some relative way yeah. that uh, I could, at least as a believer, I have the ability to fall back into the truth. Yeah. An unbeliever doesn't have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And so God uses trials and adversities in my life, you know, as a means of deepening my need to trust and depend upon him. And sometimes it's not in the most flattering of ways, but God uses the most unflattering of ways to minister grace and, and peace and love. Yeah. And so I'm even, so even in those trials and adversities, I'm, I'm grateful for them. Yeah. For me, uh, you know, I think of an analogy of my dating relationship with my 
current wife, uh, my my only wife, <laughs> my wife. But before she was my wife, she was my girlfriend. Of course, any human analogy is woefully short for how God works with us. But there's this love relationship. But at first, I didn't even really know her. Hmm. And then I came to know her. That's kind of like salvation. I, you know, you you get saved. And then you learn more about her. And I started learning more about her. The more I le- learned about her, the more trust I put into the relationship. I saw how how trustworthy she was. And it was the same with, with Christ. First, I was saved, cleansed of my sin, born again. But I didn't really know him in, in depth, yeah, you know, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. And then I start realizing who he is and then who he has made me and what he's gifted me. And that just draws out the trust. And as I started trusting him, I start to experience this closeness with him. And yet, like Greg was talking about, pressures come, you know, there's so many things in this world that I can't control. And uh, God has used those things. And sometimes it's human relationship where someone responds to me in a way that I don't feel loved. And it's like, I don't like that. And it's an invitation into intimacy. So I'm learning, and I, I and also this has come up in parenting. I'm learning to follow Paul's path in 2 Corinthians 12, where he talks about when he is weak, then he is strong. And then he says, I'm well content with distress and weakness and persecutions. He says, for when I'm weak, I'm strong. And so it's given me a whole new appreciation. I don't always feel good about this, but I get an opportunity to say, okay, God, I don't like what's happening, but thank you that this reminds me that I'm weak. The other ingredient I think that's really been helpful in my uh, walk into intimacy is understanding that how I feel is a fact. If I'm afraid, I'm afraid. That's a fact. Um, But it might not be based on truth. Hmm. And especially with God, if I didn't feel close with God early in my relationship with him, then I must not be close. I got to do something, right? Yeah. I got to go pray more. I got to read more. I think those are good things to do, but I didn't understand that feelings really are beautiful but if they don't line up with what God says is true about me, then I have to put my true trust in him if I want to experience his peace. So those are some of the ingredients for me. Yeah, it Definitely, like Greg was saying, I think the closest times are when you're going through adversity. There's something about adversity that gets your attention <laughs> yeah. and realize, makes you realize that you have a need. And Bo kind of hinted at that too as far as feeling weak you know, adversity makes you feel weak and it, it, maybe you don't have it all together. But for me, I go all the way back to you know, a lot of my early years. I, I didn't really ever think about having a relationship with God. It was more about doing things for God. And so I never really had this comprehension of this relationship where even when I prayed, I felt like it was just praying to the air. You know, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have a, any sense that God was hearing or anything, you know, it was just something to do because my parents said it's time to have our nightly prayers, you know, (laughs) and there wasn't a lot of prayer on my own, you know, I didn't wake up and pray, and I only went, I prayed when I went to bed because, you know, my parents were there, okay, it's your turn to pray, (laughs) and so, but when when I was at Wheaton College, there was a revival while, while I was there, and it wasn't one of these, we're going to schedule a revival for <laughs> May 15th or whatever. We're, it was it was just a real moving of the Holy Spirit. And I was just filled with so much joy and peace and just 
in awe of the power of God and the reality of God. And I said, I was awakened to the fact that God was real and at work in people's hearts. And he was convicting people and he was encouraging people and he was filling me with joy. And there was just a beauty to communal worship. And it was just, it was just an amazing time. First time in my life that I realized God was working in my heart and in a lot of other people's hearts. And that kind of set me on a path to pursue more relationship with him. And it's been a gradual thing. Definitely, I think, Greg, going through adversity has been a big part of growing me deeper, you know. And a year and a half we were in cancer treatment with Catherine. That was, uh, he was just drawing me in every day, you know, to because I didn't have what it takes or the wisdom that I needed to make it through that. Mm-hmm. And, and the closeness that was there, it was a difficult stage, but there was a sweetness that came from the intimacy, the growth and in intimacy there. Yeah. So it sounds like both of those at Wheaton College and with your daughter, there were some seminal moments of transformation and change and deepening. Uh, Bo or Greg, do you guys have any of those seminal or transformational moments where it really stands out to you where your relationship just deepened with God because of certain moments or situations? Absolutely. For me, uh, when I was, um, this is when I was uh, very young, I was in high school. I was, we had a year of uh, pretty intense back pain and I couldn't walk without pain. I couldn't sit without pain, Mm. but it also affected uh, a lot of my social interactions and the things that I did and enjoyed. And I went through a time where I was experiencing anger and discouragement and some might even say depression. Mm. And it was through that pain that God revealed really started me on this journey of knowing who he is and then also starting to believe what he says about me. Uh, He was using that. He he was with me and he was revealing to me through that where I was getting my worth, value and acceptance. And if we don't, and that's another thing that we talked about earlier session, if we don't understand our neediness, We'll never have intimacy because there will be no need for trust. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. and what I'd I didn't know it at the time, but I had put a lot of trust and a lot of things I had was trying to control to get my needs met. And he, he I don't think he causes uh, my back pain. I think I live in a fallen world with bodies that are not fully functional mm-hmm. and that are decaying. Um, but he he embraced me in those moments which led, and, and it was a journey. Um, the path of the righteous is like the coming of the dawn. It grows brighter and brighter to the fullness of day. In other words, I didn't fully understand the things I know now, then, mm. but it was, as Greg used the word seminal, as a seed-planted moment of intimacy with him that started to bear fruit. And in some cases, it took 10, 15 years for that. So I don't yeah. know if that answers yeah, your sure. question. Yeah, but. Definitely. Well, for me, I was tried to get my identity and worth vocationally. I think that's kind of typical for guys. And I remember uh, in my early 30s, a good friend of mine from high school asked me to go into business with him, uh, landscaping. And I thought, you ever have that that expression, my ship has come in? Mm. I thought my ship came into port. And uh, we worked like animals. I mean, we were working uh, 80 hours a week plus, mm eight hours on Saturday, on Sunday. Hmm. And uh, at this during this time, I got married to my wife. And uh, I remember my wife saying, Greg, don't, it was on a Sunday. I'm putting my work 
my jeans on, my work boots on. She says, don't you have time for us, Greg? And I said, I said what is your problem, Yvonne? Don't you mm. see what I'm trying to establish? Don't you have any respect uh, for what I'm trying to do here? Mm. And you're sending me out to work depressed, mm. you know? And then at that moment, we had just had a son, uh, and she threatened to leave me that day. Mm. She threatened to leave me that day. And I got on my knees, and I said, oh, please, 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 please don't take my son. Mm. And... Uh, she said, okay, I won't leave. And then I went off to work. Hmm. Well, I mean, this is the way, I mean, I just, I knew what I knew, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Hmm. And uh, as it turned out, my my, my uh, business partner was a, had problems with alcoholism. It got to the point where I couldn't work with him anymore. Hmm. And my dream, I saw my dream just kind of turn to mud. Yeah. You know, and I looked up, I just got on my knees and I said, Lord, you're going to have to take total control of my life. I can't make it happen anymore. And it was that in that very moment, I came to realize, Greg, you can't make anything happen apart from me. Mm. And 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 I and then at, once I hit my knees in, in submission to the truth, I saw God start to work on my behalf. Mm. It's amazing, uh, but yeah. it came through uh, a lot of trials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. It kind of goes maybe into my next question is just what's most challenging about deepening or having a deep relationship with God. But it obviously sounds a lot like all of you said it comes from trials, tribulations, um, dif- difficult moments and circumstances in your life. I've, to me, it sounds like it would be a barrier to having that intimacy. The difficulties in life would actually breed a barrier, but it sounds like it's the opposite. Well, I think it could go either way, Ross. I mean, I've seen and talked to lots of people who it does go the opposite way, mm. you know, and it all has to do with our concept of God and what we're holding to is mm. truth, you know, is where's our faith. And, you know, what, what diversity does is it puts our faith on display. It shows, it's a, it's like a testing. It, it, it shows what, what's there, you mm. know? Yeah. And so, yeah, depending on, you know, which way it could, it could go either way. I could easily just as, Easily get mad and bitter and stop talking to God, and but it doesn't have to go that direction, you know. It's the grace of God, I think, and the truth, and knowing the truth that holds you firm. You know, there's those two stories of the, the man who built his house. He dug down deep and and put his foundation on the rock, and that's the people that that heard the words of Jesus and held them fast and, mm-hmm. and obeyed. You know, and then the others you know, who didn't, the, the same things happened to both. Sure, you know, the yeah. storms come, the winds pound, you know, the waves crash mm-hmm. uh, against both. But I think the, the stability comes from the, from the faith. So, yeah, it definitely can go the opposite direction and it can be a barrier for each of us, you know, if we start believing lies about God because of our circumstances. Yeah. I think, you know, you're asking what's the greatest challenge. Affliction definitely, like Ben said, can go both ways. But one of the challenges I've seen, not just in my own life, but also in the counseling room over the years, is that you cannot see God. Mm. 
Yeah. I've never shook his hand. <laughs> yeah. I, I never got a bear hug. I never got a text message or voicemail from God. Yeah. I mean, I, Jesus was here 2000 years ago. And so for many people, and I think this is a challenge for every day is, well, I put my faith in the unseen mm. or, well, I just go off of what I can see. Yeah. And I think that's a great barrier for many people going with intimacy with God. It's, I've spent, you know, all of us live here on the earth and we hear things, we see things, we can put our hands on it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we get focused on getting our needs met and we get an emotional reaction. It feels so good when that happens. And so I'm just focused on what I can see and that's what's real. And Christ is saying, I'm inviting you to the intimate dependence and you cannot see me. But he says, if you use your eyes of faith, you can see me. And so it's almost, uh, it's adversity, I think, that gives us the decision point. Seen eyes, unseen eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes down to where, what Ben was talking about, where are you going to invest that faith? So I see that challenge, that the intimacy thing is, is people either choose or, or um, focus on the seen world rather than unseen. Yeah. There's the story of Gideon, I think about, you know, but he's kind of the exception you know, and he's not viewed as a man, you know, of amazing faith because he keeps testing God. Now, yeah. God gives him the answer to his test in a visible way, and I think that shows the the kindness of God and the mercy of God. But the people that are spoken the highly is are the ones that step out even before they see the physical. And I've seen mm-hmm. that in my life. God's done stuff and spoken to me, you know, but it hasn't come after God, if you don't do this, I'm not going to believe in you anymore or anything like that. Even though God loves and he's slow to anger and rich in mercy and he's forgiving, he wants us to trust him and then we'll see his hand come through. Hmm. And, and it may not look like what we hoped for or what we expected, but it'll be good. Hmm. And so I, I think specifically at one time when I had back pain and I had back surgery actually, and I was in just tremendous pain and I couldn't sleep for nights and I remember just crying on the bed I was in so much pain and I was like God I need some comfort would you please give me some comfort and uh it wasn't like I'm mad at you or you know I hate how can you be doing this to me you know it was just God help I, I need I need help I need sleep and I didn't get a physical bear hug but I felt like a flood of of comfort and warmth and I went like right to sleep and had and a great night's sleep. And I really believe that was God's provision, mm. you know, but it also wasn't predicated on the attitude of if you don't do this and you're, you're you know. And so, mm. but how do we build that trust in God? It comes from believing the truth that's been laid out there in the person of Christ and who he is and what he does. And, you know, I think each of us has to come to that point about um, what do we believe about Christ. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, another thing that, that, that even though that's not a big, as big a deal for me, the thing that's a bigger deal for me that keeps me from intimacy is distractions. Watching movies or playing computer games or doing just hobbies, you know, it can completely take my mind off of God, mm-hmm. you know, but even with hobbies, we can bring God into that and have a conversation with him while we're doing it. Yeah. But, but there's things that will suck us away into pursuing happiness and, and joy rather than pursuing him. Mm-hmm. I guess the biggest challenge for me was, is learning to surrender control. 
Hmm. You know, and I found this particularly true in, in ministry. You know, I came, I moved to Georgia in 2005 and uh, immediately I went to work for a pest control company. And uh, as it turned out, I was actually getting promotions at work. But with every promotion I got, I did not get an increase in salary. I just, a demand of more time. Hmm. And it just got to the point where uh, I could barely get out of bed to go to work. And so I just remember approaching my wife and saying, I think the Lord's uh, calling me into ministry and, and I'm to, to leave our, our my job. And here, you know, we have two kids, a house, mortgage payments, two cars, payments on that. And I'm 43 years old and I, and I want to hold on to my vocation. And God's saying, give it to me. And then that's where I learned my life verse, which was trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge me. In whatever you do, and I will make your path straight. So I approached my wife, thinking that she was going to divorce me. <laughs> to be honest with you, it no, makes no earthly sense that a forty-three-year-old would uh, leave his career and actually go into debt, going into ministry with all this, uh, all these uh, financial considerations. But I did, and uh, she said, "Oh, no problem." I was stunned. And I think that's when I saw that verse actually come into reality in my life, before I even knew that verse existed, because mm-hmm. I really wasn't Bible uh, literate in the Scripture. Mm. So, I mean, but I, I fought it. Mm. And uh, and I realized once I surrendered control, God had already made a way. And like all of us here in this room, we're purposed us to do, and it's tailor-made for us. Mm. But but learning to surrender control is definitely one of the hardest. And I still struggle with that. Sure. Don't yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we all we all yeah. struggle with that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, um, and then lastly, let's kind of uh, turn our attention a little bit. Just to, we like to end it on how we can focus this all on Jesus, and it just we've mentioned it in a lot of different ways. But how is Jesus at the center of this conversation? Why is he? This uh, episode is a catalyst for all the other episodes, but Jesus is a catalyst for this topic. Why? Well, he's the heavenly bride groom. And I can't think of intimacy without thinking of a, a love story. Hmm. And he's come to woo us. And, to, and it's so much more than obviously just that analogy in the scriptures, but it's this invitation into to being known and loved and valued and rest. And, and then it shines glory on him because he's the one that made it possible, that made us right, that made us clean, that adorned us with righteousness so that we would be the, the spotless bride. And, and it sets it in this grand romantic story that across the ages. And, and, and we well up with, uh, you know, I'm getting carried away here, but uh, well up with this uh, appreciation that it, how could it not be anything other than Jesus? Because he's the one, mm. he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He's wrote the story. He invited us into it. He prepared the table. He made it possible. And so it draws us into uh, a wonder. It, this is what worship is about, mm. you know? And so when I think about intimacy, um, the, the focal point is Jesus, yeah. and, and the Father's love for us is revealed through Jesus, obviously. Yeah. And so I don't know if I can even really put words to it, but I tried. Yeah, yeah it's good. <laughs> I want to talk about what Ben, he brought, talked about the quote from St. Augustine, that our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. You know, there's something within us. I think uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity in, in the hearts of man. So that the only thing that uh, completes us and establishes and makes us whole is the living Christ. Mm. And uh, he's not innate to us, but 
I mean, we're not born with his presence in us. That's yeah. why we have to be born again. Yeah. You know, but and, uh, we're going to be restless until we find him. Mm. And it's his presence in us that completes us, establishes us, and makes us whole. And, uh, and, and, it, and now we can live from a different economy, the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so uh, for me, that's the center. Yeah. You know, I think about John 17, and Jesus is, is the night before he's going to the cross. He's having intimacy with the Father, and he's saying, I want us all to be one. And he came so that we would be one, you know, and that's the intimacy. And he said, this is, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And so there's that uh, intimate knowing, and that's and Jesus is the one, as Bo said, that made it all possible. And it's his spirit that lives in us that unifies us with the Father. And it's our fellowship is with him. And he's living in us. Uh, Paul says, do you not know this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Hmm. And so it's him in us that he's the one we're talking to when yeah. we're fellowshipping with, with God and we hear a voice in our head and our thoughts that's from God or hits our heart as we've been talking about. That's Jesus. Mm. It's the spirit of Jesus that lives inside of us. And he he told his disciples he he would never leave us and that he would be with them till the end of the age, with us too. We have that promise as well. And so it's really all about Jesus. He he did provide the way, as Bo said, and he's the one that's that we're fellowshipping with. Mm. And he's the one that we submit to and obey, as Greg said. And he is the life, yeah. as he said. And so in intimacy, when I think about intimacy, I'm thankful to Jesus for his provision. He's the ladder that connects us to, to heaven, Jacob's ladder. And he's also the one in whom we talk to yeah. and fellowship with. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. You know, I think that as we have talked about intimacy, uh, I'm left with this idea that God is pursuing us, that he is always pursuing us no matter what. Even if we're unbelievers, we're believers, there's this pursuit in his heart to uh, just have us experience a more intimate relationship with him. And so that's my prayer for everybody listening, is that as God, as Jesus pursues them and they are sought after by the God of the universe, that they would experience that love and that intimacy on a deeper level every day. So thank you, Ben. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Greg, so much. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week, we will look at how believers can display the life and love of God in our daily lives. We will explore just how we can bear fruit and what that actually means. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brezina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all of our free content is made available to you because of the generosity of people from all around the world, people just like you. God bless and see you next week.